Welcome again to another episode of the Southwest Climate Podcast. Mike Cremens. Zachary, how's it going? Did it rain at your house yet? It has not rained at my house yet. Okay. In fact, I cannot remember the last day it actually did rain. That's what we're going to talk about today, yeah. right? We have, a, we have a lot to cover today. So much. Ben wrote so much stuff on the board. Two boards, actually. Two boards and two boards. So thank you all for tuning in for the next three hours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Won't well, blame you. Hopefully Ben will cut yes. it down to 15 minutes, which yeah. will probably, probably be the only... I think if you fast forward every three minutes, you basically get the... Just listen to us on just, two times that's speed. Right. Yeah. Great time of year to talk climate because we've got the monsoon quickly approaching. Official start date is a week away, June 15th. So we got the monsoon. Of course, we're in the heat season, you know, and the impacts of... You know, the winter season and, and the, the dry spring is fire season is here. So we got a lot to cover. Drought's a big, a big issue. And of course, there is some hints at an El Nino developing, which has some impacts not only on hurricanes, maybe a little bit on the monsoon, right. winter precip. What else? Finally, it's getting interesting again. It, last month was kind of interesting because we had the drought to talk about. Did we make it interesting? I'm not so sure. Your, your pessimism is already coming through. <laughs> oh, no. You're trying to beat that out of me. I say we start with the, the recap, how we got to where we are, where we are, and then we can move toward thinking about the monsoon and, and longer term. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay, Mike. So at least in southeast uh, in southern Arizona, it's been close to 100. I think it's today is the 99th consecutive day of, of zero rain. Zero rain. Yep. Since I think since February 28th was the last time Tucson recorded any precipitation. The interesting thing about the record in Tucson is we had all of the rain between October and May. Uh, over 80% of it happened in about three days in February. So prior to that, we had had a rain event in early November, one in December. Not much to talk about for the rest of that period until that February event. A little bit at the end of February, and that was it. And we haven't had seen a single 80% drop. 80% in three days. I think so. I think it could have even been higher than that. I didn't do the math. I was trying to do that in my head again. That was the eyeball regression. The record, of course, 114 days. 114 days. Um, so 14 more days. So if the monsoon begins early, so that would make that like around the 22nd or 23rd. Yep. Uh, then we won't break the record, but... I'm looking at that, that metric there, and the longest, I think you said, was in 1950, but do you remember the dry spell in 2002? I don't. I had just moved here. I had moved here about six months earlier. So 2002 was 111 days. 111 days, and it Ending broke. on, it actually ended on July 7th. So it took all the way to the, probably the beginning of the monsoon season at that particular year to, to crack it. That would suggest that there was precip later in the season in 2002 than there was even here. We hadn't seen... Feb precip since the end of February. We're still in, we're in early June. We could easily crush that because you wouldn't expect to see any precip through much of June anyway. So you could throw 20 more days on our total today in a, in a normal year with a typical monsoon onset. Well, interestingly, so the top five, you know, the highest 114 days ended on December 30th. Yeah, that's kind of a strange, yeah, and, a strange spell. And, f and the fourth and fifth uh, records, 108 days and 100 days respectively, ended on January 8th and January 1st. So it would have been a handful of dry falls yep. and then a handful of dry springs. I, I would have expected that it would have been the springs. I would have would thought have... it would have been the spring too. Yeah, that is interesting. Obviously, it's been very dry. What about temperatures? The October through May period, for Tucson anyways, looks like it's going to be the warmest on record. And that's the record from 1948 through present. 
If we look at a couple other locations, I think you largely see that. But in the last 30 days, it was actually a bit of a roller coaster. I think when we recorded the podcast, we had already started to push a couple of hundred days, 100 degree days in Tucson anyways. And it quite nicely uh, moderated for the rest of the month. The storm track got busy across the West. We had a lot of these low pressure systems and troughs dropping down the West coast. And that was enough to take the edge off the heat down here. And but, push no, the, but they didn't bring any, any no, moisture. It was no, just no moisture. It looks like there's temperatures, windy yeah, conditions, a little bit, a little bit to California, a little bit North of here, but yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's just out of reach this time of year. I guess we should recap our bet from last month. Did I win anything? You did win again. Uh, uh, yeah. See, so we were trying to sum up what would be the total number of days above above 100. Your bet was seven. Yep. My bet was nine. Climatology was four. Six. Yeah, yep. see? Those occurred in the first half of the month. Yeah, so temperatures, you know, in the first half, uh, a number of days were, you know, 10 to 15 degrees warmer than warmer than average. And then it, it as you said, at least in this in this area, temperatures were closer to average. And so that averages out to slightly above average temperatures for the for the month of May. Yep. And that adds to a string of months that are have, have seen it ab- above average temperatures. Absolutely. And with that weather pattern, that trough kind of hanging off the West Coast and coming inland and retreating left uh, Arizona cut in half where the east side of the state ended up having above average temperatures. And the west side of the state had average to slightly below average temps. And then if you go into New Mexico, it was just soaring uh, heat being under the um, the ridge proper. Okay, so no precipitation to talk about. Slightly warmer than average temperatures. We did note in our podcast in May that there was an event at the very beginning of May for mm-hmm. Northern Arizona. So that that's right. Just, I forgot about that. Just, and it was like an April thirtieth, May first. On May first, there was an event that edged in and goes into the monthly total. Where I was going with that is very little precip, although that one one event that you talked about. Yeah, it, it was not of to great speak consequence, of. Yeah. right? Slightly warmer than average temperatures. Obviously, you know, the story that we focused on last month was the drought picture. Dr- uh-huh. Drought had been deepening has, across, yes. across the Southwest. If you look and you compare the statistics from the uh, U.S. Drought Monitor from this month to when we did it right a month ago. Obviously, the drop picture hasn't changed, but they have colored the maps a little bit more severe than yeah. than it was a month ago. So, yeah. uh, whereas a month ago the the worst drought category was about ten percent, now that's up to close to sixteen percent. So, exceptional drought, which is the exceptional is one in fifty. Yeah, one in fifty year event. the The region that is experiencing that basically extends from the Four Corners down diagonally to southwest toward Flagstaff. Yeah, it actually reaches, I think, right into Phoenix is where the end of the exceptional drought category. So 73% of the state is extreme drought or, or worse, so that's up 10%. So it's the drought picture, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, is has, obviously was not improved. There is some question, though, about whether or not you can actually expand drought in a in a month that historically sees... You know, yeah, no rain. Well, you know, we had but, some, but these are the sort of lingering effects. I think so. I mean, the discussions that I was involved with were to continue to kind of catch up and reflect the conditions that it had accumulated over the spring. Yeah, it was dry, largely. A little bit of precip fell, so clearly that would have slowed things down a little bit. And it was coolish, which is actually average, by the end of the month. So 
the changes were really still catch up. So New Mexico is kind of a similar picture in terms of the, the, the change from one month to the other, from last month to this month. If you look at the state, though, basically the northern half is experiencing more severe drought than the southern half. Currently, it's, it's experiencing about 18% in ex, uh, exceptional drought and close to 62% in, in extreme drought. So again, these are, these are conditions that haven't been present, I believe, in the Southwest for, for, for quite some time. Yeah, we haven't seen this much D3 and D4, which are the extreme and exceptional drought categories since the spring of 2002. So when we pushed as hard as we could as, as far as the drought conditions in that pretty epic year where the Rodeo Tetsky fire burned up, you know, part of the Mogollon Rim, we had a pretty similar extent and coverage of that level of drought status. That's interesting because obviously a key impact from the dry conditions and the, and the, and the widespread drought is, is fire. Currently, there's, I believe, six fires that are burning that are above 100 acres, uh, the biggest of which is the Ute Park fire in northern New Mexico, which is partially contained, 35% contained. That fire took off. It, it took off quick. In that area, they've actually closed down forest service to camping. They've, there's been fire restrictions for yeah. uh, even before that for, for a long time. Now, Mike, there's only, and I say only, but there's only six fires burning. It, yeah. I guess in some respects, that's kind of a surprising situation. Maybe one would expect there to be there to be more? What, what, what's your take on this? I think it's a testament to a lot of land management agencies jumping on the forest closures and being pretty serious about them in May. You know, in the past, the Memorial Day weekend is a pretty dicey weekend. And that's, I think, always the concern that you're going to have big fire starts in drought years on that particular weekend. The Wallow Fire and the Apache Sick Graves started on Memorial Day and took off and raged for many, many weeks. And we didn't really have that activity. And I think it's probably because of, of some of the closures and the enforcement that's actually happened across the state. I think that the fire weather conditions have kind of ebbed and flowed and uh, moderated a little bit in Arizona, you know, kind of coming and going. The wind has come and gone, but hasn't been as you know persistent as we saw earlier in May. And a little bit of the humidity coming in, I think, ebbing and flowing over the last couple of weeks has probably helped on fire danger in Arizona anyways. New Mexico, with the Ute fire, had seen some extreme fire weather conditions. When you look at some of the national fire danger rainy system, was in excess of the 99th percentile uh, last week. With the heat of May, the dry conditions, and that those dry conditions, you know, if you think we had been talking about Albuquerque, had seen just a you know, we thought it was bad over here, but it was really, really terrible in that part of New Mexico. Ended up having these extreme fire conditions converge. The Ute fire took off, but then within a day or two, they actually had a line of severe thunderstorms dump some precip across parts of New Mexico. But again, it's not not a drought buster, but probably helping with some of the short-term fire risk. And we, and we haven't had that in Arizona yet. Interestingly, though, it it's still been quite an active, if you look at the, the aggregate statistics, an active fire season, I think, you know, looking at the stats for year to date, Arizona, about 70,000 acres have burned in Arizona and New Mexico, close to 293,000 acres. Yeah. You know, when you look at this in terms of average for for Arizona, the median is is about 101,000 acres. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're getting close to being in the, in the top 50th percentile there. And uh, for New Mexico, it's 183,000. 
So we're already New Mexico's already uh, surpassed that. There is a number of years in both these in both these states w- with some exceptionally large values, yeah. close to a million acres burned, and and hopefully we won't get there. To your point, I, all things being equal, you know, had they not done some active fire management, shut down campgrounds, or at least tried to restrict fires, then there would have been more. But we are now actually approaching into the time of the year when dry lightning comes in and you get incursions of a little bit of moisture that produce dry lightning before the monsoon comes in in, in, in force. So we're not out of the woods yet. The, the fire season had the prospect of being as bad as any of our worst years based on the drought conditions. Being similar to 2002, being worse than 2011 as far as the drought conditions, I expected, and I think you and I talked about this, is to, to be very nervous going through May. And there were a couple of fires that started that the resources jumped on and, and got under control really quickly. There was a fire start north of Heber Overgard in the Mogollon Rim. I think that the cause was trailer chains dragging on the road. And so it sparked a series of fires down this highway and very, very concerning in that area. But it was actually north of the rim. So it was in sort of that pinion juniper, more brushy side. And the the wind was pushing the fire to the northwest. So I think it was a little easier. It's about half, half 55% contained at this point. And the possibility of some precip coming in in the next week. Those are good things converging to help with that. But as you say too, it's June 7th right now. Monsoon moisture, typically solid dew points. We're probably still a month out and we're in this messy season where the humidity will help with fire behavior, but we're also going to be contending with the dry lightning. So what about the wind? Was it just that, I mean, it only takes one fire for, yeah. you know, with the conditions ripe for it to uh, lose control and and burn tens of thousands of acres. Yeah, you know, and part of that is get these really windy days. You get persistent windy days, low humidity. What's been the the wind situation? It's ebbed and flowed, and and the fact that it was cooler in May was mostly because of this active weather pattern in a trough off of the west coast, and with these little low pressure systems coming in from the north. So. In those days, you get this enhancement of the temperature gradient, enhancement of the pressure gradient, and you get wind that would come up with them. But it isn't anything like it was in, say, like 2011 when we had that very persistent, strong, deep, cold trough across the west that just put us in the ringer between the subtropical high to the south and kept that pressure gradient there. And we just had howling winds out of the southwest every day for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, That was most of May into June when the monsoon ridge finally won out. It's been kind of ebbing and flowing, and so it relaxes every couple days, and I think it's kept the air resources in the air so they can fight the fires, and Hmm. overall, the places that the fires have started to probably are a little bit easier to get at. I mean, that's up on the rim on the flat country. The Ute fire starting in these extreme fire conditions, but also starting in a location that's got lots of dry, very dry, live, heavy fuel those things can take off and explode and start to drive their own weather with those pyrocumulonimbus clouds. I think we've been lucky. We just haven't had those fire starts in those locations that take off in those ways. The Rodeo Chetiskai fire in that very dry spring of 2002 in late May into June, it wasn't windy at all in those months. We had a couple of windy days, but overall that was just super dry fuel fueling its own weather and exploding out and and pushing off in every direction. 
that's still not totally out of the question. Mm-hmm. I am feeling more optimistic because that window's closing. We thankfully close that window as the monsoon creeps in here. Right. So let's hope for an early onset for multiple reasons. Yeah. You know, just looking at the severe fire potential map across the, the U.S. And, and its whole, you know, the epicenter is, again, in Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and Colorado. It's labeled as severe. Other places, there are no other severe places in, besides in those, in, in those four states. So this is, this is our time. It is. Know? And I think Colorado, I think we should start looking north for the concerns of the fire danger at this point because the monsoon will creep in here. And I, I think, as we, we said, it's gonna, it could be a messy start where we get lightning starts and we get wind pushing fires around from collapsing thunderstorms. You know, the sort of dry storms end up producing not only lightning, but wind. And so there's still a dicey couple of weeks in our back pocket. But up in Colorado, they're, they're, they're still a ways out from probably picking up that moisture and that precipitation. And they're not solid monsoon country either. So the monsoon yesterday off to the east, I saw a nice cumulus cloud. I know. You probably wondered what it was. Now, what was it? Ben actually thought it was a fire. <laughs> you couldn't even, <laughs> what is that? So he couldn't even believe that it was a cloud it was, it with was a, water but, in it. You know, it. there was humidity around? There yeah, was, yeah. There, yeah. It was a prelude. I was like... It was a prelude. Yeah. The, the flow pattern has shifted around in the last four or five days where the subtropical ridge is actually over Texas and or the sort of northern Mexico and into Texas. And there's a deepening trough of low pressure off of the... California coast right now. And so we're in between those. And so we're in this sort of deep southwesterly, southerly flow that is, there's been a little bit of thunderstorm activity in northern Mexico, and we're starting to see some of that seep into, yeah, it's creeping up into southern Arizona. So what does this say for a forecast for the monsoon start? Nothing. (laughs) I I mean, if you look at- I don't buy it. Yeah. So if you look at some of the forecasts, again, the official date- is June fifteenth, but the mon- that's the season, right? That's the yeah. season, but yep. the but the monsoon doesn't start well historically, depending on what metric you're using around July fourth. Yeah, I think our old dew point definition when we were looking at in Tucson, anyways, was three days of daily average dew points of fifty four degrees Fahrenheit. That was when we would call the onset of the monsoon. You know, according to the Climate Prediction Center, their seasonal forecast, they are painting a slightly optimistic picture of not the onset. They're not saying much about the onset. Right. They're just looking at the, the the total rain. And there is some indication for some indication, air quotes indication, because we don't really know what that is. <laughs> but there is some indication of increased chances for a, a wet monsoon or wetter than... Wetter than average. Yeah, wetter than average. Right. So a tick over the average would be a successful forecast. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> such a downer today. <laughs> Break out um, from that. So... What do we think about this? I what mean, do I think I, about this? I, well, I think me, it's a very gutsy forecast. Last year, it was equal chances. Yeah. There was no forecast for above or below in issued in June for the monsoon season last year. My opinion, uh, this monsoon season is probably the hardest season to forecast. Yeah, totally. It's not, it's not going, I'm not going out on a limb there. You're not going out on a limb out there. No, you're and not being his, controversial. And historically, there's probably very little skill in these in these forecast models for actually predicting what, what, what the monsoon would see. So what do you, why do you think, and maybe we don't have to like get under the hood too much and, and into the minds of the forecasters at the Climate Prediction Center, but why do you think that there's a, 
there's an above average call here. The seasonal forecast models. And so this is would be the dynamical suite of dynamical ones. And we've talked about the national, yeah, national multi-model ensemble, right? I have a, I have a complicated relationship with NMME. Back in the Godzilla El Nino days, I hung on its every word and it, it left me out to dry. It literally left me out to dry. So it, before it, you go there, okay. let's, let's step. Yes. So the national multi-model ensemble is, yes, we should explain what it is. Yeah. is made up of seven different modeling centers from around North America. So the National Center for Environmental Prediction in the U.S. has their CFS version two, which is the one that the CPC prioritizes, if you will. Yeah. There's also GFDL, which is Geophysical Fluid Dynamics yeah. Laboratory. Okay. There's NASA. There's the National Center for Atmospheric Research, and then there's two Canadian models. Yep. Yep. You know, each one of these produces a suite of model runs. They then average them all together and come up with an NMME forecast. Easy for you to say. Um, but you can also look under the hood at each of the different models and see what what, what they're saying. Okay, right. so yes. with, with that. So what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not interesting. No, it, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think, and it's one of many sets of tools that the official forecasters use at the Climate Prediction Center. It's not just the dynamical models. There's a bunch of statistical models that are used there. But many of them for the July, August, September season show above average precipitation for the Southwest. That's right. In fact, all of them do. All seven of them, with the exception of one of the GFDL's model, which has uh, a wetter than average signal for Colorado and the the Four Corners region, but not Southern Arizona. But it does have a wetter than average signal for the Sierra Madre Occidental, which Mm -hmm. is the the heart of the monsoon season. So if it's projecting a, a, a rigorous monsoon there, you would expect that it would also waft in our region as Translate. well. Translate, yeah. It's hard to actually understand the processes behind these things. Yeah. They're forecasting the entire U.S., so it's not like they can yeah, I don't think de- that- deconstruct each region and, t- and talk about what the dynamics are of, of each region. I think that's something for you know you and I to do, at least in, this, in, in the Southwest. I think that a couple of things at play in the hurricane outlook for the East Pacific came out and it leans, it's solid average with a lean towards above average right. activity. And there's plenty of warm water in the Pacific. There's a lean or a progression towards an El Nino developing. And these are all favorable for enhanced East Pacific activity, mm-hmm. which can be a positive for the monsoon season. It is not a slam dunker. You know, it does not having that. So in the literature, there there are links though with the later season and and El Nino, some links. Yeah, some associations. Yeah, I, I think that's right, and I think that I mean that's that's what's coming out in the the official forecast, not necessarily in precip totals, but in activity that could contribute. So this is a little bit like there's a couple causal links here. I think that that they're extending through this. The models I think are suggesting that having better access to specific moisture or maybe that activity is going to induce more Gulf surges or I don't really know. I, right. I don't even know if they see Gulf surges quite honestly. So it almost looks like wetness by proximity is. So not necessarily a monsoon dynamic thing, more of a East Pacific tropical yeah, it's El not, Nino, but it's not actually simulating any monsoon dynamics. I don't know if they can really do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that 
the dynamics are so fine scale that um, we know down here. It's not totally clear to me what these models would actually do correctly about the monsoon season. The um, truth in advertising here is, is when you apply the skill mask to this summer season with these models, everything is blanked out. For precip in the summer season, the skill mask says that there hasn't been past skill. Right. And so what does that mean? So that means that historically when they've predicted their, their, their projections of the July, August, September period have not proven to be accurate. Right. Right. It's a mask of confidence of past performance. There may be something in here that they're picking up on that is absolutely real. They're all consistently seeing it, all the models. When you look at these seven, they have the same pattern, which is yeah. really dry in the Caribbean and sort of wetter in the, in the Southwest right. and then drier in the Pacific Northwest for the yeah. most part. Actually, that's, uh, that's a little bit less, more variable. But dry in the Caribbean, which is also a, is also a pattern you see prior to the development of, a, of an El Nino. Yeah. So I do think that there is El Nino hints being picked up in many of these forecast models. I love it when there's green on a map, but I, I don't know. I just right. don't know if I can, I don't know if I can swallow it, swallow it whole. The, the one month July outlooks are quite robust as well. So which suggests that it's not just later season tropical activity that's sort of coming up here. It's that there's some sort of early season dynamic. And it's interesting. It's all Arizona. It's, it kind of tails off as you get into uh, New Mexico. And it's got a bunch of the Southern California coast, which su- would suggest to me more tropical. So I don't know when this was run, but that wouldn't be picking up on the, the current tropical storm Aletta in because that's that's projected to push maybe even create a, uh, the first gulf surge of of the uh, of the of the season put right. some moisture into our region yeah that that's that's right and it, it's interesting but it's not seeing that it's not yeah. so one of the areas that you see a lot of the hurricane activity form is, is off the southern coast of mexico that's a a prime spot for a lot of the east pacific storms to pop up this one month forecast for july actually shows that area being drier than average so i'm confused i don't, I don't really i don't really know what would drive that. There is a harsh gradient of southern Mexico being much drier than average and northern Mexico along the mountain range being wetter than average. So I think that it's fun to play with these forecasts and I enjoy the optimism that they're giving me, but I'm too old for this, man. <laughs> You've been around. You've seen too I've, much. I've been, see, I've, it's I've been, my first rodeo. I've been through the 2015, what was it, 2015 El Nino? Oh, yes. That I have it? that to my t-shirt says. Yeah. Yes, that's right. What about, I'm going to throw this out. Okay. What about a trend? A trend towards what? Six of the last seven years have been wetter than average in Tucson for the monsoon. Oh my gosh! A hot streak, <laughs> really? You're gonna on, pull believe it out? or not, yeah, I was looking at that. I mean, I, I'm being you know, no, sarcastic no, I, here because yeah. there aren't any trends in many, almost all of the metrics that you look at. I haven't seen any no, for the monsoon. Not, no, no, I don't think so. So no positive eyeball regression trends <sighs> That's there. My favorite, kind. but it is interesting to note that only one, only 2013 was below average since 2011 for Tucson total. Yes. This is Tucson. And your yeah. results and mileage may vary as you drive across yeah. the Southwest. That's, that, that has not happened true. everywhere for sure. It's also worth thinking about what actually happened last monsoon season. We had our our first precip event 
after the fourth last year. And we were off to the races by the second week of July and basically did almost all of our monsoon by the end of July. And then we just kind of packed it in and coasted. I don't want to do that again. I would take it. Would you take it? Absolutely. You'd suffer through August and September similarly? It's like doing June over again and over again twice. Yeah. I mean, listen, at the end of the day- August was like June with mosquitoes. That's what what last year was like. (laughs) When you look at it though, I don't know if you can ask for more. (laughs) Mike, what do you want? I want to pace myself. All right, so I, I did this exercise. I was okay. bored. I, I was bored. Today. I love this. I think right. this is great. Okay. So here's what I would want. This is my this is my magical mon- monsoon. Okay. It's a it's a it's a mismatch, <laughs> mismatch, if you will. All right. So I would take, I would take June of 1950. Okay. 1.4 inches of rain that fell, but basically in 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 back to back storms. So, so when did this happen in June? This happened l- June 20th. Okay. That's not bad. So the reason there is, let's qualify as early. Okay. Right? Like, Good. Let's, set let's it bring up. The mon- let's set the monsoon okay. in. Let's bring it out. Yep. 1.4 inches would be, we'd be off to the races. Okay. Prelude, people would be excited yep. about it. You know, some, some nice- Fill all the- Some nice clouds. All the abandoned the tires. out. Abandoned tires with water. Start growing the mosquitoes early. That's true. The Gotta mosquitoes- them up. I, can, I can deal with the mosqui- uh, mosquitoes though. Clearly I can't. All right. Then I would take, I'll take June of uh, July of last year. That's your top pick? Yeah. This is your well, fantasy football monsoon thing going on here, right? Yeah, okay. this is so my second round draft pick. Second round draft pick is July of last year. Wow. July of last year. Seven inches okay. right, in a three-week period. But man, those those were some- I gave you that. They were Those good were days. some amazing days. Mm-hmm. The Halcyon you days You took some good pictures. 2017. Yeah. All right. That puts a lid on the uh, on the fire season. You know, I could have picked, for example, the year, which I'm drawing a blank on right now, where there was actually an event. Late late July with with three point nine three inches of rain. Nineteen fifty eight. You pulled it up. Yep. Nineteen fifty eight. Three point. I could have picked that. So that was the daily. That's the most precip that Tucson has had in one day. One day in its record. Yeah. <laughs> that, I I wonder what that was like. Wet. That's a brilliant. Probably mic. brilliant. <laughs> eloquent. <laughs> Probably floody. <laughs> um, Floody's a word too. All right. So that's seven inches in in July. Then I would have. Then I take August nineteen ninety nine. Now this this may be a little interesting. There's many. August with more vigorous monsoon activity yes. than August 1999. <laughs> Only three inches fell, which so isn't isn't okay. that that much uh, above average. In five events, there were two events of close to an inch, but there was also a, a prolonged dry spell, 15 day dry spell, which I think you need take a break. This no. is how you eat Thanksgiving dinner. You have to have a moment of wonder about whether or not the monsoon is going to continue, <laughs> Tease rile you up a little yeah, bit, yeah. and also reflect on how, how nice the monsoon is. So, so it's a teaser. <laughs> it's an intermission right? so you can go get junior mints right. at the, uh, okay. But, but then the monsoon fires up again at the end of end of August. Okay. So, it, so, it this, so you have this, to have a dry spell. In I mean, this two weeks, yeah. did, you, did you take care of your mosquito problem in your yard? I haven't thought Okay. It, I'm just thinking much. about mosquitoes. Yeah. And did the dew point <laughs> drop back down in the 20s? So I well, could at least go back outside and, and hang out. Solid, yeah, the dew point like, drops down. Okay. But the temperature gets... Is it too wet to rain? Ooh. What are the <laughs> two not too weeks wet. of it's too not, wet to rain? Not, no, it dries out. It dries Oof. out. Okay. Dries out. All so right, the temperature, right. I'm temperature working with goes you. back up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and then September, 
Listen, I didn't want to. I didn't want to <laughs> model in a tropical, uh, too big of a tropical storm. Yeah, well, yeah, no, uh, I didn't okay. want to model in a tropical okay. storm at all, actually, because I didn't want there to be any debate about whether or not it was monsoon oh, right, from you. Oh man! Right. Man, so September. I can't, 19, I can't go after this in any. September 1974, one and a half inches in September, eight rain events. So there was constant drizzle of of monsoon moisture. No tropical storms that I saw, and there you have it. Total 12.9, which is not. Which is not the the record for Tucson. This is like Moneyball monsoon. That's my picks here. It's my kind of boring. Monsoon. Kind of boring. Oh, you think it's boring? Kind of boring. I mean, I would expect it more like like more flare and I mean, at least four tropical storms in September. Okay, but, all named storms. But, but think about this from last year. Like, think about if you had July, but also had a pretty darn good August and a pretty darn good good September. Okay. I mean, just think about that scenario. Yeah, I think about it all the time, man. <laughs> I live in that space. And you don't think... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I want to hear yours. I don't have one. I, I can't... <laughs> yeah, I would take the... You calculate up if it rained the maximum on every day in the monsoon for Tucson. What was the total? 117 inches. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Why not, man? Live big. Physically, you can't have that. Man. I know you can't have that, but that's what, that's what my... Uh, that's what my team picks. We should, we should we should live through that scenario. What, what, what would that? It wouldn't be healthy. It's not. A, it's not a good idea. Yeah. So, what's your? What do you think the um, the prospect is? Yeah. Climatology. Oh man, it's so boring. <laughs> Bet on climatology. Okay, so what is that? Oh, it's it's six inches. We'll get evenly get six inches. Honestly, I have no idea what's going to pan out this year. I think it's really interesting to see the East Pacific tropical activity ramp up and be a possible mechanism in this monsoon season. Didn't have that last year. Golf surges. Yeah. The model, you know, this is June 7th and we're looking at a week out. There is a tropical storm or maybe hurricane. Is it hurricane at this point? It's Aletta. First mm-hmm. name storm in the East Pacific. There's one behind it too, <clears> south one. of it that they're watching. Yeah. Yep. Those are on the models anyways, induce is a kind of a Gulf surgy type of thing. But again, the this at this time frame, everything can go off the rails and it really is day by day. If we do induce a Gulf surge, we could get that moisture up in here and institute a start. But it also is it's really early for the monsoon ridge to get in the correct position to sustain it. So we're still in this, I think, ebb and flow situation for a couple of weeks. It's it's I think tough to do solid monsoon activity. It's way too early, quite honestly. And as we get to the end of next month, next week we'll be at the 15th. And so we'll be getting closer, but I still think it's early on that end. It's also a little early for the ENSO forecast. It sure is. And that seems to be yeah. driving, I mean, as you mentioned before, so the hurricane outlook for the East Pacific was average to slightly above average. There tends to be above average hurricane activity in East Pacific during El Nino years, in part because of reduced wind shear. You need reduced wind shear right. to sustain tropical storms. Right? There's also above average sea surface temperatures in that area. So those two things are playing into a, a, a slightly average to above average forecast. Yep. In the Atlantic is for below average uh, hurricanes or average to below average, so a slight uh, tilt in the odds. And that's also a, an El Nino signal because there is increased wind shear in the in, in the Caribbean basin in the Atlantic, which suppresses hurricane and, and, and large major storm activity. And there's also 
cooler sea surface temperatures in the Atlantic Ocean that's uh, contributing to that forecast. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of these forecasts, so the hurricane forecast, major storm forecast, and maybe even parts of the, the, the monsoon forecast are influenced by an El Nino, a nudge toward El Nino. And that is the forecast right now. Slightly increased chances for El Nino. We're grasping for something to hold on to at this time scale, and it's a really tough time of year to try to do it with the uh, seasonal predictability barrier. There is a some evidence of a Kelvin wave coming across Pacific Ocean. There has been some warming. There's warming in the East Pacific, which is probably not El Nino related. There's other modes of variability. The Pacific Meridional mode, which I don't totally understand, is part of the East Pacific temperature pattern and subsequently the tropical storm activity. So it's a pretty noisy time of the year to really lean into some of this stuff. But I think you see some movement in that direction. I, I do think it's really too early. So what is it, another month more or less or yeah, a couple I think months? It, well, it's it's typically a, a, a June to July where you start to see stuff sort of lock in in a trajectory. You start to look for the movement across the Pacific to sort of move you in that direction. But we've had some really late onset El Ninos in the last you know, five years where you'll be watching and waiting, you know, through the summer and through the fall season. So the um, the IRI CPC ENSO forecast calls for close to a 70% chance of an El Nino developing in in, in the winter, virtually a 0% chance for, for another La Nina. Yeah. And I think the indications on the magnitude is anywhere between sort of a weak, very weak, sort of nominal El Nino to maybe even a, a moderate. But this isn't, there isn't the indications like the the the, the subsurface water temperatures aren't aren't preluding. If if an El Nino occurs, a, a very strong or intense El Nino. But again, it's it's tough and. Wouldn't we, wouldn't we see that signal like a like a really intense? I think so. I think that you'd start to see in. A, there is warm water across the Pacific, and there is a slug of warm water moving across in a equatorial Kelvin wave right now. So there, there's some of the pieces and parts that would be important to initiate an El Nino and sustain it, but it's too early to, to know if it's going to be self-reinforcing. Every year, I become less certain, and so I waffle more. Okay, I want you to be obnoxious. Okay. We have to, we have to project what the monsoon, total monsoon precipitation for Tucson is going to be. We have to, this is our bet. Okay. So I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you um, operationalize your, your, either your pessimism or your optimism, or, you know, if you want to, if you want to be like lame about it and and just bet on climatology. How many decibel points do you want? (laughs) All right. So what do you think? Is this like Price or Right? Can I, can I have you go first? (laughs) <laughs> Let me put it this way. The magic monsoon of 12.9 inches, which would finish third in Tucson. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's solid. It's not going to happen. It won't happen. Because I was bullish last year and, and, and bet on above 10. I think I bet 10 inches in it. We After July, I mean, I was I went whole hog. You didn't even care. You were so happy with July. You were it's like, I don't, who cares if we, we even cross six? My heart says above average to keep up this string of four in a row and, and six of the last seven. But I kind of think just based on – those odds, yeah, like not based on anything dynamical. Yeah, forget about that. Yeah, like I think it's actually going to be a, a, a below average. Do you really? Yeah, I do. So weird, but I can't get the number seven point five out of my head. Wow, seven point five inches. So what would that be? That's that would be like one hundred thirty percent total gut forecast. 
I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be five seven five. Yeah, so it's going to be slightly below average for Tucson. You know so, what's going to happen? What's that? Tropical storm Crimmins. Oh. September. <laughs> it's going to be five point seven five that day, and it's going to be a two incher. Tropical storm Crimmins. Yeah, that's in the list. This I year. don't know. It can't be. be then well, it no, would they be, go, would, they go through first names and they loop back around. It would be the and third. They, they take random last names. <laughs> And we'll have to submit that to the Weather Channel. Are they think the so? No, the Hurricane Center. The Hurricane Center. <laughs> no, they, the Weather Channel would use it. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> Tropical. Lock it in the books. One I'll, other, I'll make it happen. One other bet for June, though, uh, and we're going to start keeping tally of this. <laughs> Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to pay for some of these bets. Yeah. Like no, I, we just need a running tally because I think you're smoking me. So June, the the – the heat season. Oh, um, right, right. Oh, yes. Okay. We got to do something about temperature. Okay. So I propose let's do what's the maximum temperature. Okay. The highest the, daily the, temperature that the, we observe in June. The highest daily temperature that you observe in June. And just f- so people know, for Tucson, that's 117. Yeah, the record. The record uh-huh. in June. Uh-huh. Last year, we had those epic three-day heat wave right around June 15th. Father's Day heat waves. Father yep. Day heat wave. Yeah. I coined um, that phrase, and I was like, I, "That was my forecast this year, and it doesn't look like it's going to." So happen. to condition that, like, what's what's on the, what's on the near horizon? Near horizon is a Gulf surge by the end of next week for, from Aletta. <laughs> from Aletta, so that'll but, take the top top off. Well, it'll take the top off, and if moisture hangs around, it's real, real tough to you know you're popping clouds around that 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 tends to take the edge off of it too. So the, can that, so would that kick could that kick off a monsoon that sort of just hangs around? Or, yeah, or it could can that, just be this blech. For a couple of weeks before like the solid. humid, but no, but the yeah. monsoon's not really yeah. firing up. We've had that. I mean, June June has that kind of messy start to it, where and we had it last year too, where we had moisture come in the last week of the of June and didn't do much. It just made it miserable. Hmm. But it did take the edge off of the heat wave that happened the week before. So, but if you look at the forecast for whatever they're worth at this point, and just looking at where the ridge is, there's no ridge building across the southwest. There's the funneling in of moisture and it hanging around. And it's not a real good, solid, strong start to the monsoon. Can moisture present suppress the formation of the of the ridge? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, because if that were the case, every time it rained in the monsoon season, the ridge would retreat, yeah. and you don't see that. Yeah. And so it's much bigger, broader hemispheric dynamics that are that we're really looking for. Given that there's not a heat wave, at least in the seven to ten day forecast looking and i'm just looking purely at the the ridge position it's not overhead a couple of models do bring the high pressure overhead i still expect something may emerge in the forecast in the next two weeks it's just because it's that time of year it's the longest days of the year if it's not popping thunderstorms everywhere and the, and the moisture isn't real deep you'd expect to see the heat get up so all with all, all that, that said, all that said i think we'll see a day that's 109 this year okay so the minimum maximum is is 107. I'm going to go just a little bit higher. One, 110. A little bit higher? Yeah. I mean, how much? See, that's why I wanted you to go first. Fine. Well, you gave Fine. A, 110. You gave a compelling argument. I for, did give you compelling. So that wasn't, you weren't supposed to listen to that. Yeah, You're well, I did. To, you did. There you have it. Okay, so uh, to wrap up, next time when we come back, early July, Hopefully, yeah. you know, we will have some monsoon to talk about. If not, we'll have something to talk about as well. Like, <laughs> we love something to talk where about. Where the heck is it? Yeah. 
update on the on the fire situation. We're really, from that. then on in, it's it's you know we're, we're sort of Easy in the throes of, yeah. of the monsoon. You're going to be in your favorite month of the year. Yeah, your hot streak of wet Julys will continue. Yeah, there's also a big risk of creating a lot of anger because if you know if the yeah. monsoon fizzles, you yeah. know if it produces two inches of rain, yeah. two and a half inches of rain, gets on one of the driest, you know, then then we're then it's, then We're it's the like, voice of that anger, though. That's what this podcast is. So we'll just we'll just verbalize it. We'll have to send some 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 ill will toward the people that were projecting above average. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll come back in a, in a month. All right, happy happy June. Happy June. The Southwest Climate Podcast is a production of Climus, which is part of NOAA's Regional Integrated Science and Assessment Program, and is housed at the University of Arizona Institute of the Environment. Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with Clemus, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA program manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research outreach and assessment specialist with Clemus. I'm going to throw out my magical monsoon. Magical. All morning. Magical monsoon mystery sewer? Yeah. My magical monsoon. It's my monsoon of preference. Oh, you did? You, I did. you worked it up? I worked on it. Oh, so good. Yeah. I didn't do it.